0: Well, if you have your Bibles, open them up to... Not sure yet. This is always the part in the service where I say, these thinking musicians, they just take over everything. Before you know it, they're going to have me down there, over there on the ground somewhere. We, we'll get Apple TV. So, um, again, this is the part in the service where I would normally say, open your Bibles to a certain section. But today, as you know, we are um, continuing part two of... Um, Our our prophecy update and so last week it's kind of hard because last week this week kind of runs into what we covered last week So I, I don't really have the time to go back and 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 kind of catch you up to speed for for those of you that missed last week But but basically we we know that something is coming and, and, you know, it's funny because the, the Internet is ablaze. The Internet has gone viral with this 923. You guys try it when you get home today. Go home and type into YouTube 92315, and there's hundreds of videos and different people with all these conspiracy theories and all these things. Not only that, but even in the Fox News and in the, um, in the media and all these places, there, there is... Um, this, this buzz, one of the articles that I got, and I use this news source, which is not a mainstream news, news source. It's called Red Flag News, and, and articles all the time. The last one was 33 things that are going to happen in September of 2015. Another one was um, just called 923, and this guy goes through a couple of these, these Internet videos and the YouTube videos of all this stuff. There's one out there that shows Hollywood movies, and it shows... Um, the stock market, and natural disasters, and all of these different things going on, and this number 923 is coming up, 923 September. Apart from that buzz of 923, just... Politically and economically and we we know there's some events coming We highlighted those events last week and those are the things that I said We're not going to necessarily go through in in too much detail this week This is the second part of those key events that that we are kind of looking at we're going to spend some time Um this wednesday kind of rabbit trailing and and looking at a couple of these things in a little bit more detail But the the point of last week's message was this Jesus is coming back. How many guys believe that? Amen So when is Jesus coming back? We don't know, right? The Bible says no man knows the day or the hour, but Jesus did say of the times and the seasons, you shall know Jesus did. um, He, 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 he chastised his disciples and, and those multitude that he was giving signs and they missed the signs that Jesus was coming the first time. And he said that, that they, they were hypocrites because they could discern the weather and they could look out and see that the south winds meant rain and, and they could discern the weather based on the signs, but they, they missed the signs of the times that God had given them through the Scriptures. We know from the book of Daniel that Daniel, through studying the Scriptures in, in Daniel chapter 9, right Daniel, to the day, figures out the prophecies from the, the time that Artaxerxes gave the command to go forth and rebuild that from this day it would be X amount of days until Messiah would come, and Daniel gave us the thing, and he figured it out, and on the exact day that Daniel prophesied, Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey, prophesied exactly, and Daniel got that from studying the scriptures, and so he, he gives, Jesus gives this warning that people were missing the signs, and so as we, we look at the signs, and we look at what the Bible says, we, we want to um, do a good job of that, and I want to tell you, biblical prophecy is, it's not always the easiest thing to understand, you read Isaiah 53 and you take Isaiah 53 and it is an exact duplicate copy of Jesus dying on the cross from the, from the soldiers casting lots for his clothing and every detail. And you could lay it right over the top of every gospel account and it is the same thing. But but if we're honest, if we didn't have the gospel accounts and just had Isaiah 53, would we be able to go through all of those prophecies and accurately um, say that this is prophecy of what's going to happen to the coming Messiah? Maybe not. You know, Pastor Chuck, the founder of Calvary Chapel, he used to always say that the easiest way to understand biblical prophecy is after it already happens. And that's, that's usually the case. So, so what we do is we... Biblical prophecy, just in, in a nutshell, is is a pattern that God has laid out in his word for his people to recognize and see. And yes, you are held accountable to recognize the times that you live in and the seasons and understand these things that God has put forth. But it's a pattern. It's a pattern that we watch. And, and as we, we look at the Bible and we see these things that are going on, we see what's going on around our world. If, if we change what, what the Bible says to kind of fit the scenario... That's the wrong way of doing it because the scenario is going to change and the word of God is not. And it's the only book that foretells the beginning, the end from the beginning all the way through. So so what we're doing now, and, and this is the fear, and, and I just want to be you know upfront with this is that, you know, unfortunately there have been some misled Christian leaders over the years that have um, tried to predict dates of Jesus' return and predict dates of ominous events. You know, there was the infamous book Forever Eighty Eight Reasons Why Jesus is coming back in nineteen eighty eight. It's out there, you can get a copy of it. You know what the guy who wrote the book did in 18, in nineteen eighty nine when Jesus didn't come back in eighty eight? 89 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1989, Part 2. And, and you know what happened was, 89, 88 came and went, and, and, and Jesus didn't come back. And the Bible says that in the last days, that mockers will mock the idea that we say Jesus is coming back. And, and so this gives um, the enemies of God an occasion to mock or to blaspheme. And they'd look at us and they say, oh, yeah, you guys have been saying that. this a guy you're in 88. We've had one very recently. There's a guy named Harold Camping out of um, somewhere on the East Coast. And he made these predictions that in March of 2013, Jesus was coming back. And, and people that followed him and believed what he said, one particular guy sold everything he owned. He was very wealthy. $400,000 he invested into advertising and billboards on the freeways in New York, advertising that Jesus was coming back on such and such date. And what happened? That date came and went, and Jesus never came back. And again, it gives occasion for the enemies of Christ to blaspheme. So so nothing that we do here, I I don't want to have any part of that. Because the Bible says that no man knows the day or the hour. And what's coming this September, you'd have to, again, be an ostrich with your head in the sand to miss that there's definitely something abuzz whether it's in the church or outside the church. Lydia was telling me this week in the office that she works in, she works with a couple of gals, different um, spiritual backgrounds and religious beliefs. And they were all talking, you know, in, in her office about, man, what is going on in September? There is so much happening on the internet and a buzz. And somebody said aliens are going to invade in September. And somebody said, oh, a comet's going to hit in September. And, you know, what, what's going to happen? But the, the fact being that that the world is aware of, of events happening in September. You you again you guys will we'll get into some of those more kind of rabbit trail events um, this Wednesday night if you're interested. There's there's tons of articles. The one is, you know, just thirty three things that are happening this September and they're all um, just, just events, just natural events that, that, you know, FEMA, the Jade Helm is coming to an end. The Pope is coming. Um, the, the president is meeting with the Pope. There's just, you know, just a ton, 33 different events that, that we're not going to spend today going through. But I did highlight a couple. So the first one is, is, September 23. There's, there's comment rumors from NASA that, you know, that, that Jade Helm has been a part of this, um, preparation for maybe some expected natural disasters that are coming. CERN is a company in Switzerland that is is right now in September. This is another event that's happening in September. It's, it's a 17-mile tube that's in Switzerland around the city of, Tur- of, of, of CERN that goes in a circle, and, and they're, they're shooting uh, atoms around this tube that are colliding in this hadron collider. And the purpose is they've done it once. They didn't quite get the, the result they were expecting, and so they've ramped it up. And for two years, they've been... They've been improving it and basically what they 're trying to find is what they call the god particle or or you know the they, they, they want to not necessarily recreate the big Bang but they want to discover how the big Bang happened because they say that you know theoretically the big Bang something started there was a black hole there was a mass there was something that the black that the Big Bang I- exploded from so there's one step beyond the Big Bang before that and this is this god particle and so they're trying to open a portal or trying to to discover what this is. And this is billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars that is being poured into this project. The company is, um, um, the same company, CERN, is, is the real inventors of the internet. And CERN started like in the 50s and they, they wanted to create a way that they could trade data among their computers and, and internet link and an intranet. And, and through that, sorry Al Gore, CERN actually invented the internet what we have is the internet today. So these are some of the most technologically advanced scientists and, and forward-thinking minds that that we have. And this is their project that they have poured just an astronomical amount of money into. And so we're going to look at that just a little bit closer. There's some interesting things with that um, on Wednesday night. So in the news just this week, just, just to highlight a couple things before we move on, um, Korean, and you guys following the Korean, South Korea, and North Korea have exchanged some artillery, and there's, there's a buzz. There's a buzz that there's wars and rumors of wars that are going on between South and North Korea. Um, the stock market crashed 900 points in two days, Thursday and Friday this week. Uh, Friday, 540 points in, in one day, and then with, with Thursday between the two days, 900 points. You know, it's interesting because I was looking for some articles so I could share with you guys regarding the stock market, and it's just, it's just not out there. It's like you go to Fox and you look at their page and not not really nothing on on the the front page or anything about the stock market losing nine hundred points in two days. That's astronomical, right? We talk about the largest stock market crash in human history happened in September of two thousand and eight, seven hundred and seventy-seven points in one day. Well, the the stock market lost nine hundred points in the last two days. It didn't even hasn't even made the news. So I did find I, I scrolled down and Google far enough and there's a New York Times reported it and it's kind of like well don't worry you know. A, and I think what the point is is that the fear is that all of us are going to going to freak out and pull all of our money out of the stock market, which is going to cause then the the crash of the stock market. And so they're not wanting to alarm, fear, or do anything. But so they're they're they you know these are these are big stories that that are not making the front page of the news, but happening this week. Just interesting stuff that we're keeping our eye on. Um, China, China's testing nuclear weapons, that was in the news this week. And so there was two large explosions in China, unexplained of what they were or how they were related. And then um, one that, that we've been keeping our eye on for a long time, Israel bombed Syria in retaliation for Syrian aggression this week. So um, Israel bombed some areas right outside of Damascus. Um, Assad himself is, is blowing up his own city and bombing places in Damascus this week in the news. Um, and then the, the thing we talked about a little bit last week was the secret side deals in the P plus five um, with, with Iran. I'm going to hit that in a minute. So just remember that the secret side deals are scary. They are in time stuff. They are, as far as I'm concerned, they, they have a lot to do with what we're going to look at today in Ezekiel 36 and 38. So, whoop. how do I back up now? There we go. So, albeit, very interesting, thought-provoking, not the most important info we have. So, all of these things, and, and again, all this, you guys, is just picking up on what we, what we went through last week. We went in detail through all these things last week, the Shemitah and the blood-red moons and all of those things, and all of the, the, the holy days that are coming in September, and all these little details that we have highlighted, I, I just want to be, again, clear that these things are very interesting. They're, 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 the world is recognizing they're undeniable, but... They're interesting, but they're not the most important thing Then what is, as you saw, the words in red. So that's what we're going to look at today. You know, the reality is um, we, we, we did a census here when we started, right? How many people think Jesus is coming? And a lot of people agree that the Bible is very clear that Jesus said he would come as a, as a Messiah. He came, fulfilled that. It says that he's coming back and that Jesus is coming back. So the disciples asked Jesus a very interesting question. Turn to Matthew with me. Let's start in Matthew chapter 24. In verse number three, and the disciples asked Jesus a a good question. So you're coming back. Well, when are you coming back? And so Jesus gives us Matthew 24 in response to the disciples asking this question. When is Jesus coming back? So I just want to take this in a small section. and, and, And apart from all of the things happening this coming September, let's just look at what did Jesus say would be going on around the time of his return. And so it says in, Ma- in Matthew chapter 24, in verse 3, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciple came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when the, will these things be, and when will the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. So the first thing that's going to happen is that many will be deceived. We live in a world today where many will be and are being deceived. I think right now, the, one of the things that Satan has been very effective with, and one of the, the biggest enemies of what's true is the saturation of information and in religion as a as a christian first not as a pastor first as a christian who who shares my faith with people that i come in contact with in my life one of the biggest questions i always get is there's so much out there and you know you guys say this and this group says this and the catholics believe this and you know the lds believe this and the, the muslims believe this and the hindus believe this and how in the world can i know what's true and that's a very valid question because of this, this saturation of information, um, the enemy has been very, um, very successful in watering down and, and, and finding what's true. But I, want, I do want to caution you with this. If that's you and that's your heart and, and that's kind of been your hang-up, how do I know what's true with all of these things out there? I want to tell you, the day you stand before Jesus Christ, you will be without excuse. And just like the apostles and the disciples and those who were, um, you know, reprimanded because they didn't discern the times, there's enough out there, there's enough truth, there's enough that you are responsible to know and be able to find that truth because it's found in the words in red. And it's found in the Word of God, and the Word of God is true. And as you read the Word of God as a child, you'll find these things. And so that, that deception is strong, and, and, and it is out there everywhere. But at the same time, there is a way of knowing truth, and truth is Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say about himself? I am the what? You guys got good answers today. I like it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus Christ is the truth, and he's the way to truth and the way to find it. And so we, we, we don't want to let ourselves be deceived. And it says in uh, verse number 6, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. That's, that's a a topic that you're going to hear Um, often in in end times type of discussions, in end times um, prophecies and discipleships and those types of things that you will hear of wars and rumors of wars because that's what Jesus did. And then you know what I like he says there? He says, but do not be troubled. And, And again, nowhere in any of the passages, in any of the words in red, in any of the places where we see Jesus telling us of all this stuff that's gonna happen, does he say, go to Montana, Dig a hole, buy guns, save MREs, and shoot anybody that comes to to get food from you in Jesus' name, you know, to protect yourself and your stuff. It's not not Jesus' heart. It's not found in the scripture anywhere. You're called to be salt and light. You're called to be um, a, a light in a dark world and, and, a, and a beacon of love and joy and of peace and, of, and, and it's something that's an example to the world. And so these things that are happening, they're, they're not to scare you. They're not supposed to scare you as a Christian. You know what's crazy? They're scaring the world. They're scaring the heck out of the world and they don't know where to turn. But as Christians, we got to give them some place to turn. We have to be a light that they can come to and an encouraging and reminding voice that that Jesus loves you and he's going to take care of you and he's not appointed you to wrath and there is no reason to be troubled. And, and, and for us as a church, you know, it's about Jesus. And we, we can't let these things um, put us into a spirit of fear because that's not God's heart for you. That's not God's message to you. You know, somebody asked me, and I get it all the time. I I shared one with you guys a couple Wednesday nights. I got a text message from a good friend of mine. He went through Bible college, and he loves Jesus, and he's looking at September, and he's thinking, you know, God, at the very least, God is going to judge the United States, and there are some things that that are going to remove God's blessing from our country unequivocally. The decisions that we've made and the direction that we are headed in so many different fronts is going to get God's attention, and God will at some point judge this nation. And you know what? It's, it's not strange. I don't need September to know that God has enough material and enough um, heartache that, that the United States, that at some point, God is going to judge the, the sins of the United States. You know, Billy Graham said, like in the 60s, that if God doesn't judge the United States, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Because, of, because we've way far surpassed in this country the sins that were committed in Sodom and Gomorrah. But at the same time, again, Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. So if we look just at wars and rumors of wars, we talked about just this week in the news, South Korea and North Korea, Israel and Syria, two examples of, of wars and rumors of wars. This is an excerpt from Greg Laurie's um, Facebook page this week, um, dealing with this topic just this week. I'm going to share just a little bit with you. It says, I, I believe we are seeing in our world right now what can be described as the four shocks of Armageddon. We are seeing these four shocks all around us. Jesus said in the last days, we will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And it seems that today, that at every turn, there is a new conflict. ISIS is creating chaos in the Middle East, North Africa, and Nigeria, and there is only continuing to grow. Syria is effectively under siege by ISIS and in Iraq. One-third of the country is now reportedly under ISIS control. Meanwhile, there is Iran. They, They are the nation bent on getting a hold of a nuclear weapon which... On more than one occasion, they have threatened to use on the United States and Israel. In addition, Iran funds proxy groups like Hezbollah and Hamas to engage in acts of terrorism. There is Russia, which seems to be getting as aggressive as it used to be. So now we see China beginning to grow as well, wanting to dominate Southeast Asia and developing in its military in a dramatic way. Meanwhile, NATO appears to be doing nothing. So what does all this mean? These are, all, are these the wars and rumors of wars? I believe they are four shocks of Armageddon. I'm not the only one who thinks this, by the way. The Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, which maintains the doomsday clock, moved it to three minutes to midnight on January 22nd of this year. In a message to leaders and citizens of the world, they said unchecked climate changes, global nuclear weapons, modernizations, and outsized nuclear weapons arsenals pose ex- "...extraordinary and undeniable threats in the continued existence of humanity, and world leaders have fallen with an act with the spread or the scale required to protect citizens from from potential catastrophe. World leaders, the world is ripe for a charismatic leader, for a man of peace, someone who can bring solutions. And folks, he is coming. He is not what you want. He is the Antichrist, also called the man of sin, the son of perdition, the little horn, and the wicked one. And he is also known as the beast." In many ways, Antichrist initially will appear to be good, but it will be a mask that he hides with who he really is. So it just goes on, and, and he describes basically those, those same types of things in there. The next section that, that, that Jesus gives us is he says, in verse number 7, "...for nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom." And there will be famine, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. So again, these are the signs that Jesus gives us of, of what to be looking for at the time of his return. And the next one is that the kingdom will rise against kingdom. And those are, those are what we're seeing in the world today. The kingdoms are rising against kingdoms. The second one is, that, is nation against nation. And that word in the, in the, in the Greek is ethnos versus ethnos. So, so Jesus says that ethnic groups will band together and will, will war against and will compete against other ethnic groups. So what's happening in our world today? Well, how about, you know, what happened in Ferguson, Missouri with Michael Brown? and what's happened with Freddie Gray, and um, in Ferguson, Missouri, and the, the Black Lives Matter, and the, the, the separation of what's happening and what it's creating is such a, a separation of, of of ethnos versus ethnos. It's being fueled in our country. It's being fueled by our government, and, and they're just throwing gas on a fire that, that, that doesn't need to be, but, but it's evidence of what the Word of God says that ethnos will rise against ethnos. This same theme is is repeated all over the world today. So, you know, this week, just last week, along this same front in Miami, at the Zion Baptist Church of all places, the Nation of Islam head, Louis Farrakhan, said he was looking for 10,000 fearless men to rise up and kill those who kill us, and stalk them, and kill them, and let them feel the pain of death that we are feeling. And so all over the world, we're seeing this. Interesting that, you know, this doesn't even make mainstream media news. Did you guys hear that, that Farrakhan, in a church, the leader of said that, that, that he's looking for men to rise up and kill those who kill us, speaking about ethnos versus ethnos. Did that make your news feed this week? So the next one, Jesus said famines and pestilence and earthquakes. So um, some things happening, some things interesting that, that we're looking at kind of on this front. That, have you guys heard about the, the fault that's in the uh, coast of Oregon? The Cascading Mountains is is making a lot of news. Um, they're predicting that earthquakes will destroy 70% of the West Coast, 700 miles um, long, waves of 100 feet high. This has been reported on Fox News, on CNN News. I, I didn't see the one on CNN. I saw the Fox News special. It was an entire special. The scientists, the ge- geologists were there. And it's a matter of not if, but when. And, and these, this Cascading mountains um, are two tectonic plates off the coast of Oregon. And they're pushing against one another. And they're going to slip. One is going to slip under the other. And when that happens, it's, it's going to create basically what we saw in this, what was that movie called that just came out about? Santa San Andreas. But it's really not San Andreas. The one in, nor- in the north part of the United States, the northwest part of the United States, is 10 times bigger than San Andreas. But we have San Andreas as well, and it will create a wall of water that will come all the way over the western part of the United States. And so this is this is a photo. This was the cover on the left there. You'll see this is the cover of New York Magazine in July, in the end of July. And so it's a it's hard to see because of the color there red. But the the left part there is the ocean, and then the part that's tearing back is is the part that will be affected by the cascading mountains and by this earthquake when it goes off. <clears throat> so this is something that's that's making news and that, that's being talked about. So you look at the the potential of you know. The, all of Washington, Oregon, part of California, the west coast there, being underwater in a tidal wave. The other thing we have, we're sitting on, is we know, that um, in the upper left there, that's Yellowstone eruption. This is, this is an article that they're, they're predicting from August 21st, 21. And Yellowstone, again, you guys, is not an if, it's a when. Yellowstone is, is is sitting on the largest volcano, and it's not a matter of if it'll go off, when it'll go off. And when Yellowstone goes off, the catastrophe is going to be so enormous that, that it's going to affect, and it's, again, it's hard to see on that little map there, but the outer rings, that's, that's almost the entire United States, so as the rings get smaller, it's total devastation, smoke clouds affected, and, and the people that will be affected, but, but the five states surrounding Yellowstone will have mass devastation if this, this volcano erupts, and they're, they're predicting that it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, And so we're sitting on these things that are, you know, and Jesus said again, Jesus said, you'll hear wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, pestilence, famines. And I'm just highlighting a few of those things that are coming. This here is a picture of uh, an app that I just put on my phone this week. Chris, turned me on to it. It's it's called Quake Feed. And so you can download this app and and it it details, and this is a picture from this morning, and again, maybe a little hard to see, but the, all those little dots are earthquakes that have happened over the weekend. There's hundreds of them on there. They all have a little, um, they're all 2.5 and higher, the ones that are registered there, and they're just everywhere. So, you know, you might say, yeah, but we've, we've always had earthquakes. We've always had famines. We've always had pestilence. These things have been around for hundreds of years. What's different? And, and what's different is what Jesus said. Jesus said that they will be like birth pangs upon a pregnant woman. And what's going to happen with these natural disasters and these signs that Jesus gives us is he said that they're going to increase in intensity and frequency. And so, you know, you can just do a study. Do the study on earthquakes. Jesus said in the last days there'll be earthquakes in various places. And so you take 1900 and we average, you know, 10 earthquakes a year. And by today we're averaging 100 earthquakes a day. And so the, the frequency and the intensity is increasing, and that's what we're looking at. And yes, we've had these things over and over, but again, you know, when, when a woman comes and she's, you know, she's, she's excited, and she just took the test, and she, it's positive, and she's pregnant, and she announces to her mom, for the first time, I'm pregnant, I'm going to have a baby. You can't tell, right? Other than the fact that she told you she was pregnant, but then six months down the road, she's not hiding it anymore. She's pregnant, it's, it's, she's showing now, and, and, and now we're beginning to see a sign. Well, then as we reach the, the, the 266th day or the 10th month, then, then she begins to experience her first contraction. And the first one is what? It's 30 minutes apart and it's, it, it's intense, but not as intense as the next one that's going to come. And now they're 20 minutes apart and they're more and more intense. And now they're 10 minutes apart and they're more and more intense. And it fits with with the analogy that Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour. Because yes, now we know her contractions are 10 minutes apart. But at what moment is that baby going to be born? We don't know. And that's what Jesus said. He said it's as if labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And so what we're to watch for is the signs and and the seasons and these these intense pains that are become more and more intense frequent and closer together and that's exactly what we're seeing in all of these things that that jesus mentioned so some of our key passages the slide came up early and this is just a reminder um, some of the things that we're looking at and there's a time but matthew 24 is where we are now i want to take you to a prophecy um, in isaiah that's that's an end times prophecy that's one of the key prophecies in isaiah 17 and it has to deal with the city of damascus so turn to isaiah 17 In verse number one, it says the burden against Damascus. Behold, Damascus will cease from being a city. It will be a ruinous heap. The cities of Aor are forsaken and they will be for flocks which lie down and no one will make them afraid. The fortress also will cease from Ephraim, the kingdom from Damascus, the remnant of Syria. They will be as the glory of the children of Israel, says the Lord of hosts. And then the same prophecy is given again um, in Jeremiah in chapter 49, in verse twenty three and it says, judgment on Damascus against Damascus, Hamath and Araf are shamed, for they have heard bad news, they have faint hearted, there is trouble on the sea, it cannot be quieted. Damascus has grown feeble she has she turns to flee." The fear has seized her. Anguish and sorrows have taken her like a woman in labor. Who is the city of praise, not des- not deserted in the city of my joy? Therefore, her young men shall fall in her streets, and the men of her war shall be cut off in the day, says the Lord of hosts. I will kindle a fire in the wall of Damascus, and it shall consume the places of ben Hedad. So you... You have these biblical prophecies, and Isaiah 17 is something that, that my pastor has been telling us about for years because Isaiah 17 is yet to be fulfilled. God says that Damascus will become a ruinous heap. So this is a, that's a picture at night of Damascus today. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing, sprawling city. Five million people live in Damascus. It's a huge city. This is a picture of it at, at, during the day. You can see just how far it spreads and how wide it goes. It's, it's still there. It's not destroyed. But it, it will be. Because, because the Bible prophesies that Damascus... Uh, will become a ruinous heap. So it's an area that's every time it pops up in the news, you know, as a, as a prophecy buff, you, you pay attention to what's happening in Damascus and, and what's there. And there are wars. And, you know, we see pictures, people put pictures on Facebook, you know, trying to, to make it Isaiah 17. And you, you see these where they are bombing and they are at war right now. And you see these streets that are rubbles and would fit, but they're isolated parts of Damascus which don't fulfill this prophecy because God says that Damascus will be destroyed. And so the fact that Syria and Israel right now are um, exchanging, exchanging artillery fire and exchanging missiles is, you know, it's always something to keep our eye on because this is going to come to pass. The, ne- the next major um, prophecy, and this is the one that I really want to spend a little bit of time on today. I tried to rush through some of that stuff, you guys, um, so that we could get to this part here. But I want you to turn with me to Ezekiel 36, 37, so as far as the the last days go if if you're a, a prophecy buff or if you're trying to follow what does the bible say about the last days, you have to have a general understanding of what it says in Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, and 39. So first in Ezekiel 36 and 37, I want to look at them. I'm not going to go through them all verse by verse, but I just want to highlight a little bit. And I'm, I'm going to begin in chapter 36 in verse number number one. It says, and you son of man prophesy to the mountains of, I, of Israel and say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because the enemy has said of you, Aha, the ancient heights have become our possession. Therefore prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord God, because they made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side, so that you became the possession of the rest of the nations, and you are taken up by the hit by the lips of talkers and slanderers by the people. Therefore, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, the hills, the rivers, the valleys, the desolate wastelands, and the cities that have been forsaken, which became plunder and mockery to the rest of the nations. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, surely I have spoken in my burning jealousy against the rest of the nations and against all Edom who gave my land to themselves as a possession with wholeheartedly joy and spiteful minds in order to plunder and its open country. So Israel has been, as you know, a wasteland for the last 1900 years. We have um, in AD 70, Jesus said, destroy this temple in three days and I will raise it up. He was speaking of his body. He also wept over Jerusalem because he he saw the the destruction that was coming upon Jerusalem because they missed the the Messiah and they missed their their opportunity to embrace the Messiah and bring peace. And in 8070, Titus Vespasian, exactly as the Bible predicted, came into Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. And Jesus said not one stone would be left upon another. And the prophecy, these were huge stones in this huge temple that was built by Herod and the gold from the top of the temple, they set it on fire and it began to melt and it came down into the cracks of the the rocks. And the soldiers, wanting to get the gold, took their spears and pushed the rocks over so that they could retrieve all the gold that were in between all of the cracks of the temple. And not one stone, exactly as Jesus said, not one stone was left on another. And that was in A.D. 70. They came and they, 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 they... Plowed the entire city with salt just to destroy it so that nothing would grow and nothing could could come back there. And from that time, A.D. 70, some Jews remained in the land. And the, the last of them, about 110, were, were gone and out of Israel. And since that point, there, there was nothing. And Israel has been a wasteland. And it, it's had some different um, Ottoman Empire and the Muslims and different groups have have come in and, and settled there at times. But nobody has inhabited Israel. And the Jews did not inhabit Israel. When Mark Twain, in... in um, In 1867, Mark Twain visited Israel, and he he published in his Impressions of Innocence Abroad, he described a desolate country, devoid of both vegetation and human population, a desolate country whose soil is rich enough, but is given over wholly to weeds and silent, mournful expanse, a desolation. I never saw a human being the whole route, hardly a tree or a shrub anywhere, even the olive tree and the cactus, those fast friends of a worthless soil had almost... deserted the country he was amazed by the size and the smallness of the city of jerusalem and so mark twain in his own writing says that the the land was was a wasteland in 1867 as he as he just weeds and he didn't even see another human being the entire time he was there and so we we have um you know something like this where where the the land is is desolate you know when hitler wanted to kill the jews and annihilate the jews he didn't go to israel to get him right they weren't in Israel. They didn't have a homeland. From AD 70, they were dispersed around the whole world. And so when Hitler went to get the Jews, he went to Poland, and he went to Russia, and he went through all of Europe, and he went to all the different countries and trained them to Auschwitz and the different concentration camps because they weren't in Israel. And so the, the, the prophecy says that, you know, one of the greatest proofs of the Bible, the, the, the greatest proof that the Bible is true is Israel. The fact that Israel is a nation today, that Israel has a language, they have a culture, they have a people group, and through all of this atrocity have remained a people group today is the number one proof that Israel is true and that the Bible is true. And and Satan has deliberately attacked Israel since Adam and Eve, knowing that that if he can defeat and and annihilate the Jews, that there'll be no more, the Bible won't be true. And you know what? Jesus was a Jew. You guys know that? You guys go with that? (laughs) <laughs> it's 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 hebrew. It's jewish the bible is jewish the, the, jesus was a jew Like we shouldn't have a problem with that. It's just it is what it is and, and you know what jesus said he's coming back, but he's not coming back to mexico city He's not coming back to to south korea to seoul korea. He's not coming back to tokyo And, and, and nothing against any of those places, right? It's just jesus chose a place a, where he's going to come and it, he was born in bethlehem And he's coming back to jerusalem And guess what jerusalem what's going to happen? Jerusalem's going to be there when he's ready to come back because it's his plan. It's his land. It's his place. You know what the Bible says about the city of Jerusalem? It's the city of the great king. Who's the great king? Jesus. And it says that it's his city and he's coming back to that city. And so, so the very fact Satan has known that and has attacked Israel and, the, you know, the, the, this, this whole world really from the beginning. I mean, you go back to the Bible. You look at the pharaohs in Egypt. You look at Haman, who tried to annihilate the Jews. You look at Hitler and Stalin and every other group who, to this day, Ahmadinejad and Iran, who 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 claim that they're going to completely wipe Israel off the face of the planet. That's demonic in its nature because it's Satan's attack on God's word and what God's word says is true. And in order for God's word to be true, there has to be an Israel and a Jerusalem and a Jewish people that, that Jesus is going to come back to. And so um, here in Ezekiel 36... God is, is telling Ezekiel, and he's, you know, at this desert land that's there, that existed there for so many hundreds of years. And then he goes on in verse 8, and he says, But you, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people Israel, for they are about to come. For indeed, I am for you, and I will turn to you, and, and you shall be tilled and sown. I will multiply men upon you, and all the house of Israel, and in the city shall be inhabited, and the ruins rebuilt." And I will multiply on you, man and beast, and they shall increase and bear young. And I will inhabit as in former times and, and do better that you may at your beginning. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. And yes, I will cause men to walk on you. My people, Israel, they shall take possession of you and you shall be their inheritance. No more shall you bereave them, children of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, because they say to you, you devour men and and bereave the nation of the children and and god says he's going to do this so that they will know he is the lord that same area today look at it today i mean it's it's a land flowing with milk and honey you realize when israel got there it was a land of rocks and nothing and 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 it was it was the hard work and it was it had potential but they still had to go and possess the land and work today israel is the leading there's more um, um types of fruits and vegetables in israel than any other place in the world they, they have technology in their agriculture that leads science around the whole world. They have tomato plants that produce 10 times as many tomatoes as, as normal tomato plants do because of their agricultural advances in Israel. They're small, but they're mighty because their God is mighty. And, and, and the, the, the the flowers and the, the, the agricultural um, significance that Israel has become to this day from this land fulfills Ezekiel 36 and 37 before our eyes. If you turn to 37, I'm going to try to speed up here a little bit. But in 37, basically, he says that, that Ezekiel comes back out. In the second part of this vision, God brings Ezekiel out. And in this this desert land, it's full of bones. And God says to Ezekiel, begin to prophesy to these bones. And the bones begin to form a, a skeleton. And, and, and God says, um, prophesy, Ezekiel, and sinews form. And God says he's going to put flesh over him and skin over him. And he's going to breathe breath back into their life. And, and so the, the, this is re- reborn. And Israel has been reborn before our very own eyes. Is that, is that clear? You know, from, from where Mark Twain visited in, in, in 1867 to where they, when Israel, so in 1948, in May 4th, 1948, Israel was reborn as a nation. And Jesus said that, the, that the, the generation that sees the fig tree rebutting will be the nation that will see the second coming of Christ. And so some will point to, to May 4th, 1948, as that day when Israel was reborn. That's when they became a nation. Some would point to 1967. In June 7, 1967, Israel fought in a six-day war. And for the first time since 1948, they didn't have it. The first time in Israel's history for 2,000 years, they regained Jerusalem. And they regained the Temple Mount where Solomon's Temple was and will be rebuilt. And so some will point to June 7th, 1967. Isaac Newton and his, his eschatology and his discovery of, of, of studying what it says in Daniel chapter 9, he points to the June 7th, 1967 date, and he brings it exactly 49 years, seven sevens, and he does the math, and guess where um, Isaac Newton's calculations bring him to based on the June 7th, 1967 date? Any idea, anybody? September 2015. And this is, this is an old prophecy. And again, something we'll kind of dive in a little deeper to on Wednesday night. I'm going to give you guys some articles and stuff that's, that you just kind of do, got to do some homework on your own. In Benjamin Netanyahu, he visited Auschwitz. And he's been there several times. And he gave a speech in Auschwitz. And in Benjamin Netanyahu's speech in Auschwitz, he quotes Ezekiel 36 and 37. And he says that it was fulfilled in our lifetime. And that we watch, we are the generation that saw Ezekiel 36 and 37. I'm sorry, yeah, 36 and 37 come true. So then you move on to Ezekiel 38. So this 36, 37 fulfilled in our lifetime. Um, I can't read that, you guys, I'm running out of time. Ezekiel thirty-eight and thirty-nine, we have the war of Gog and Magog. This is very clearly an end times. Um, prophecy about 10 nations that will come together against Israel. So they're, they're, they're basically led by Iran and Russia. So Iran and Russia are going to lead eight other nations, and they are going to fight a war that's detailed. You need to read it in 30, 38 and 39 of Ezekiel, and the devastation that God is going to bring upon these nations is amazing. It says, for seven months, they're going to be de- burying the dead bodies of these armies um, because they're going, he's, God's going to allow them and bring them, it says, into Israel where he's going to destroy them there. And they're going to have to raise up. He says he's going to separate an entire piece of the land there where they're going to bury the dead bodies for seven months the project is going to take. And so these ten nations from the Gog and Magog invasion, which is yet future, they, they are going to come and, and attack Israel. So again, you know, the mockers say, well, you've always been saying that Jesus is going to come back and that we're living in the last days. And to this, I would say yes. But as we look at the biblical prophecies, you take 1975, for example. My pastor became a Christian in 1975. He wasn't going to have kids because he believed that Jesus was coming back soon. Praise God he did because he had Lydia and that was a good thing that they decided to have kids. And so, but, you know, Jesus didn't come back in 1975. But I'll tell you what else didn't happen in 1975. As you looked at the Gog and Magog invasion, Iran, first of all, was not even an enemy of Israel. And, and Russia and Iran were, were complete enemies. And so as you look at the, the events, the, the current events that are taking place today, it's amazing how, how they're lining up. You know, Iran was, until 1935, Iran was called Persia. That was their name on the map. It was Persia in 1935. The official name of the country became Iran. They're called Persia here in in, um, Ezekiel 38. And so we know that's Iran without a doubt. Iran was actually friendly to Israel all the way up until the, the, the rule from the Shah to the Ayatollahs. You guys know the history of that. I don't have a lot of time to go into the history. But, you know, the Shah was very friendly to, to America. He was here. He was friends with our president. He was westernizing Iran. There was, there was a lot of Western influence that was taking place in Iran. Iran was friendly with the United States. They were an ally to Israel. And there was a revolt between the Ayatollahs and the Imams and the, and the Shah. And eventually the Ayatollahs won and the, the Imam was ousted. And, and as a result, you know, we had the, the, the deal in Iran where the students captured the embassy and 53 American hostages were being held in Iran. And then, praise God, the day that Ronald Reagan became president, they let him go, right, after holding it for so long, knowing that Ronald Reagan wasn't going to mess around. And at that time they became an enemy. So my point being that, that the, the the political landscape is changing and now aligning very close with what the Bible says in Ezekiel 38. I, I mentioned last week that, that just, just this last month, Russia parked two warships in Iran, two Russian warships in Iran, in a joint training session with Iran. It, Russia's... Um, interest in Iran is, you know, after the Cold War and, and the wall came down, Russia's economy collapsed and they, they, have, they had no money, but they did have a plethora of weapons. And, and these Middle East countries needed weapons and Russia needed money. And so they, they, they started partnering up on this. And now Russia's interest in, in Israel is very significant because the one um, kind of foothold in the economy that Russia has is in the area of natural gas. And, 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 is, and Russia kind of chokes the pipe that feeds all of Europe, and, and it's kind of their, their control over the economy and their ability to, to, to stay vibrant. But what happened last year was Israel just discovered the largest deposit of natural gas in, in the world, 10 times larger than anything else that had ever been discovered. And so this, as Israel begins to, to sell this, it's going to hurt Russia's economy and they're, they're interested in it. And, and it makes it more interesting. And so you have these these 10 nations. So really quickly, again, as I go through this, um, Gog, Magog, Persia, Cush, Put, Gomer, Beth to Garma. So as you do some research and you look at these, some are called by their, their names. They're easy to understand. Others, you have to see, you know, because Ezekiel wrote this, you have to understand, Ezekiel wrote this prophecy 3,000 years ago and he's describing these nations and so Gog and Magog as you look at that he says the armies to the north So if you if you draw a map directly north from Israel, where does it take you? It takes you right in just a little left of Moscow if you draw a straight line with your ruler up But definitely into into Russia and so we we have um, Russia that's that's listed there and also by that name Magog And then and then Persia is 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 Iran Kush is Sudan or northern Africa. So, the, and again, Sudan is, is very, all these are Muslim countries, every one of them. Sudan is very um, anti-Semitic, very anti-Israel. Ahmadinejad, a few years ago, wanted to, um, you know, give a speech to, to a nation and some hate speech about wanting to kill Israel and, and wanting to annihilate the United States. And he was looking for a place to go and give this speech. And so he thought, where better to go? You know where he ended up? He ended up in the Sudan. With giving this speech and and, and because the Sudanese people and, and because Sudan is very Muslim, very anti-Israel, they're listed here in Ezekiel 38. It's gonna be one of the players. The other nations that are listed put is Libya, Algeria, um, Gomer, which is Turkey, Beth Tagarma, which is um, the, the countries that were born out of Turkey and kind of spread out their Turkish speaking countries. And so you go through there and what you're gonna do is you're gonna see and it's gonna happen. And I, and I used to tease, and I would say, if you open your newspaper tomorrow morning, and it says Iran and Russia attack Israel, then it's the end. We'll just say that. Just, just, we'll, we'll change what I used to say. We'll say, lift your eyes, for your redemption draws nigh, because that's what Jesus said. And so those things will come to pass. When you open your newspaper and you see that Damascus is a ruinous heap, you'll know that, that these things are coming. Now, I want to give you just a little bit of a, of a, of a biblical um, timeline of events and how they happen. And I want to start by saying the question here I put on, the, on that slide is, um, does the war of, of Gog and Magog, does it happen before or after the rapture? So the answer to that question is, I don't know. I don't know if it happens before or after the rapture. I know very clearly that we have seen Ezekiel 36 and 37, Israel being reborn as a nation um, in our lifetime. We've seen that prophecy come to pass. So it's, it's very likely then, right? It um, makes sense that, that Ezekiel 38 and 39, the war of Gog and Magog, will also come to pass in our lifetime. Um, my, you know, Ten years ago, as I was looking at these same passages and, and, and as a Bible college student, 20 years ago... Um, you know, I, as, as we study this, I'd say, OK, Iran and Russia are going to come together at some point and, and they're going to attack Israel. But the problem is that, that if they do that, the United States will protect Israel and they will draw Israel into this this whole battle. And so does it happen before the rapture, after the rapture? And I would think, you know, one of the things the Bible says is it's interesting is that the United States is not mentioned in biblical prophecy. There are some that say in Isaiah, there's a passage that describes the young lions. And some would say the United States is, is, is one of those young lions, very possibly. But, but maybe a little bit of a stretch as well. But, but nowhere very clearly is the United States listed in end times prophecies in any of these things, through, through any, any of the passages that, that deal with prophecy. United States is just not there. So why is the United States not listed? Are, are we not a major player in these days? I think that we are and that it would seem like somewhere we'd come up on a radar. But we don't. But number one, if the rapture happens, the United States is the country that's going to be affected the most. You know, you take our military, our, our emergency personnel, our first responders, our medical personnel, um, our infrastructure, everybody in that are, that are, that are, that are born-again believers that will go up in the rapture, that will cripple this country. And it will not cripple Saudi Arabia, not even a little bit. It will not cripple Iran, not even a little bit. And it won't affect anything that they're doing, but it will greatly affect the United States. One possibility is that the rapture um, removes us. And so again, I'm talking like 20 years ago, I'm looking at this passage and I'm thinking, okay, so, it, so maybe a possible scenario in the whole Gog and Magog invasion and the United States not being listed. And, and then in another place, Jesus does say, which uh, he says that as a thief in the night, he's talking about his coming in the rapture, that it will come as a thief in the night. So some people say that, that that means that the Lord is in the rapture going to pluck people out kind of as a thief in the night, and it may take the dust to settle a week, two weeks before you even realize that, that there's been a mass rapture of people off of planet Earth. But I, I thought, you know, you know, if Iran and Russia are going to attack Israel, and they know they're going to draw the United States into this fight, maybe there's a nuclear attack. Maybe it's like a Pearl Harbor type of attack on the United States. They drop a couple nukes on us. First, to, to protect because they know why. I mean, if I want to go fight your little brother and you're big guy and you're standing there, I'm probably not going to walk up and punch your little brother with you standing there because I know what's going to happen. It wouldn't make sense for them to, 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 to come and, and attack the United States. But today, when I look at these same passages, my, my, my scenario changes a little bit. Why? Because for the first time in our history, we're turning our back on Israel. And you want to talk about scary? And you want to talk about ominous? You want to talk about the biggest problem that you have as an American is when your country turns its back on Israel. I do believe at that point God will remove his hand of blessing upon us. And I believe that the reason why God hasn't judged our nation and the reason why we, we, we've experienced the prosperity and the success that we have. Number one, because we started as a as a godly nation and we started honoring the Lord and with prayer and God blessed us because it was a nation of, of people devoted and and, and, and and seeking the Lord. And, and the bigger reason is because we've been friendly and we've been a friend to Israel all these years. And God says, I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. In this deal, this Iran deal, in the P5 plus 1 deal with Iran, one of the side deals is, is that if, if an outside country, any outside third-party country, wants to attack one of Iran's nuclear sites, that the P5 plus 1 have agreed that they'll militarily protect those sites um, in Iran. So just any wild guess what country might be motivated to attack one of, one of Iran's nuclear sites? Only Israel, only country in the world that's, that's motivated to attack one of their nuclear sites. They've done it already. They, they did cyber war on and set the, the, the Iran nuclear program already back years with cyber warfare they did in 2012 against, against Iran's nuclear sites. And so that would put the United States against Israel. That's scary. That's, that's coming this September. Congress will vote this September on the Iran nuclear deal. The other thing that's happening, I mentioned it last week, September 15th, in the UN. The UN is meeting this September. Another one of the things that's coming in September, the Pope will address the UN, but the UN is meeting as well in September. And one of the resolutions that they're going to discuss is France has produced and is, is, is introducing a bill, a resolution that is going to, to force Israel to go back to its 1967 borders, make a two state nation with Palestine and Israel, give up a, a large portion of, of Jerusalem back to Palestine. And the United States has always been on this side of Israel and all of these votes and, and, and our administration is, is leaning and giving us hints that this time it might be different. And, and that's scary. That, that's scary. And when we turn our back on Israel, you know, what's interesting, you guys, in this, in this war of Gog and Magog, there, there's these 10 nations that come against Israel, but there's not one nation that comes to its aid. So we're not going to be the savior. When, when this when this war happens. The United States is not going to come and protect Israel. And God intended it that way. Those are his people and he's going to protect them. And I guarantee you, Israel's not going to lose another war. Not with anybody. Not with the United States or Russia or Iran or anybody else. They are going to win because they got, they got some big dude on their side that's going to fight for them, And he's got some pretty cool things that he can do. You know, shoot fireballs out of his eyes and stuff. And but they, they won't lose. They're not going to lose another, another war. And the United States is not going to be the hero. And, and, and we will. And, and just like in Ezekiel 38, Israel stands alone. And God stands on their side. And we're, we're seeing that happening. We're going to see the, some of the fruit and potential fruit of that this September. It's another one of these things that, that we're keeping our, our eyes on. So I just, I just want to close with this. So as far as the, the, the war of Gog and Magog, to answer my own question, will it happen before or after the rapture? I don't know. I think it could be simultaneous. I think we could see the, the events of, of the Gog and Magog and war. Uh, war. I think it's possible that the rapture happens and, and then the, the Gog and Magog and war kicks off shortly after that. I kind of just personally, um, and I, I don't know, to, just to be honest, nobody does. But my personal belief is that we will see part of it, that it, it will precede the rapture and, and the events that, that will, will lead into the seven-year tribulation period kicking off. So, just want to close with this. And, um, Jesus said, I am. And Jesus said, I am seven times. I am what? So, I want, to, I want to just share with you a couple of those out of the Gospel of John as we uh, close. What, the, the admonition about all this stuff you guys spending in these two weeks kind of detailing this, these biblical prophecies. And, 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 and I want you to be, first of all, educated. You know, I, I have a I have a, a neighbor who who I love very much, and is good friends of mine. And you know, I I, I just happened was over at their house yesterday in the afternoon, and I just laid all this stuff out, you know. And I told them like four times, oh, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm preaching," you know. But and they're like, "No," and they're so interested. And you know, I said what I always say. I said, "You got to be an ostrich with your head in the sand to miss this stuff." And she said, well, I guess I'm an ostrich with my head in the sand. You know, the wife did because I, I, I don't, I've not heard any of this stuff. And so I, I want you guys to be aware of what's going on. I want you to make your own decisions. But the, the purpose is not fear. The purpose is not to scare anybody into something different. The purpose is that, to get our hearts and lives right with Jesus Christ. This is no time, as Jesus said, to be carousing around with the cares of this world and drunkenness and, and, and living your life apart from Christ. If you're not in God, it's a time to get in God. If you're not in Christ, it's a time to get in Christ. And that's the point. The point of all this and the point of what I share is, is so that you can get your lives and your hearts right with Jesus Christ. It is no time to be messing around. You don't want to be the, you know, Jesus gave parables about it. And he said there was 10 virgins who went out and, and, and five of them were prepared and ready for when the bridegroom or when Jesus came back and five were not. And they left to go try to get ready. And by while they left, the bride came, the bridegroom came and took the brides and they got left behind and it's no time to be not prepared. And so the whole, the whole point of it is, is, is to have your heart and life right with Jesus Christ. And Jesus is so in love with each and every one of you. And, and the reality is, if I wasn't in Jesus, I would be scared. And, and I would be looking at September and wondering what's going to happen and how it's going to affect my life. And and, and again, as Christians, we have, to, we have to be ready that, you know, September could come and go. And I don't think it'll come and go with no bumps or no blurps, but it could come and go and, and, and life could go on. You know, there are those that, that say, you know, yeah, I think, you know, I'm really looking at for Jesus to come back this September. And others say that there's no way Jesus can't come back in September. We're still looking at some of these prophecies that have to be fulfilled first. But at, at the very least, it, you know, it's not the return of Jesus Christ, but it is a judgment that's going to come on the United States and it will be an opportunity for people to repent. And maybe, maybe some of the things that are going to happen is God's mercy and grace to get the attention of, of, of some of us and, and some, some people in this world where he's going to take a time and there's going to be a revival and there's going to be a time where, where some things are going to happen that are going to get people's attention and they're going to come to Christ And, and that his return is, is, is a year or two years out. And that, that these are things that, and so we just got to be ready for that. We, we got to be ready for whatever's going to happen. Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 35. Jesus said, then, then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I have said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. And all the father gives me. Will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. In John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus says that he is the light of the world, and he said, I say, No, then she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. And then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And then in John chapter 9, 10 and verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door and anyone enters in by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And the thief does not come except to steal, kill and destroy. And I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. And in verse 11, Jesus says that he's the good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. In John chapter 11 and verse 25 Jesus says that he is the resurrection. I am. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall die, never die. Do you believe this? I'm going to ask you guys a question. I want you to respond. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And then my favorite from John chapter 14 and verse six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And then my other favorite in John chapter 15, Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Let's stand. Way, way too much uh, stuff, you guys, to cover uh, on a Sunday morning, even in two weeks. Um, You know, oftentimes when I study, it's like trying to find enough stuff. But usually this week, it's been trying to condense everything down into... So what'll fit in a Sunday? So, um, want to invite you guys to come back Wednesday night. We'll feed you. We're gonna kind of continue with uh, some of these things. And so, we we do as 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 is our heart. We want to give each and every one of you an opportunity to get your lives and your hearts right with Jesus Christ. Our our hearts are that none of you would be left behind, that none of you would miss what Jesus said, and that He's coming again, and that. That, that the brides and the virgins who who didn't bring the oil and were left behind. We want we want your hearts and life right to be right with Jesus. You know, the cool thing about Jesus is that Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. And it's Jesus' heart. It's Jesus' desire for you to give you life. And so I want to give you an opportunity to get your lives right with Jesus Christ right now. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus. please come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Savior. Forgive Forgive me of my sins. Now, I just want to pray for you. Lord, we pray, Father, for this church. I pray, Lord God, for anyone in here, Lord, who's asked you in their heart this morning that, Lord, that magic doesn't happen in the words that came out of their mouth, but that magic happens in a surrender of their heart. And so, Lord, I just pray, Father, that as your Spirit calls them, that they would respond and they would surrender their hearts and lives to you, Jesus. I pray, Father, for this nation. I pray, God, for our our, our country and, and for all these resolutions that are coming in September. And I pray, Lord God, that, that we would never turn our backs on Israel. And Lord, if we do, as a church, we repent, we turn from that, God. And we have no part of that, Lord Jesus. Our hearts and our lives, Jesus, we believe your word. And, and Lord, we stand. We stand with you. We stand with your people. We stand with Israel. And Lord, I pray for... Um, just for our family our family and our friends. We pray for our neighbors, Lord, who may have no idea that, that, that just a lot of stuff is going down this, this coming September. And I pray, Lord, that we could share in a loving way. I pray, Father, that none of these things would scare us or move us to fear, but to love and to motivate us to get our lives right. Because the Bible says that he who has this hope in him purifies himself. And so, God, we, we want to just have a hope in your coming and your appearing. And we pray and and we ask, Lord, that you would come. Come quickly, Maranatha, Lord Jesus. And that we're ready when you come, Lord Jesus. And that we're found worthy to escape these things that will come upon this world. As as Jesus, you told us to pray. And so, Lord, help us to watch and pray each day. Fill us with your spirit and bless, bless each one who's come this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.